Hey guys, thank you for listening. This is episode 11 of the Working 2 and 8 podcast. And before I play the podcast, most of you guys know these are recorded and scheduled to come out um, once a week. But in between the recording of this podcast and the airing of this show, the uh, I was talking to John from the Too Tall Tavern. If you're not familiar with the Too Tall Tavern, you need to get familiar with them. Told him what I was doing, and he said, how can I help? So guess what? The Working 2 and 8 podcast now has a presenting sponsor. So the Too Tall Tavern, if you guys haven't been there, this is over in Cushing. It is still in the 218 area code. And the best way I can describe to get there is take Highway 10 south of Motley. It's actually on Azure Road, I believe is how you say that. But uh, John and the gang over there, it's a great group. Every time we've been there, the food has been fantastic. Every time we've been there, the service has been fantastic. It's really a great place. Well worth the trip. If you're motorcycle riders or you drive an old custom car and you need those destination runs of a place to go, go see the Too Tall Tavern in Cushing. This guy does more for his community than any place that I'm aware of. If you see these fundraisers, he does a few uh, fundraisers that... He'll take all of the proceeds and divide them up between his local law enforcement, the county law enforcement, the first response teams, the first responders themselves. Those are all volunteers, and they need donations to buy the equipment to come and get there and take care of the patients or victims or whatever you have before the ambulance gets there. So them guys, the fire departments, he divides all these proceeds up, and he really is a community-focused guy. And like I said, John, I met John when I was your friend in the car business, and we've just kept in touch. Love going to his place. And when he found out what I was doing, he said, you know what? I want to get on board. I love what you're doing. I love that you're trying to help people. And uh, that's my thing. So that's what he wanted to do. So enjoy this, episode 11. We're talking to Chris Shucker of Digital Horizons this time, and uh, we'll get John on this show coming up. It's just a matter of scheduling to get him in so we can get in, uh, get a show recorded. So you guys, check out the Too Tall Tavern. Go to twotalltavern.com, the number two, then spell out Tall Tavern, two, T-A-L-L-T-A-V-E-R-N.com. Go see them. Enjoy episode 11 of the Work in 218 podcast. Hello, everybody. Thank you for listening. This is episode 11 of the Work in 218 podcast. I'm your host, Craig Johnson, and this week I am joined by Chris Shooker of Digital Horizons. Did I say that right, Chris? You got it. It's, it's, it's one that's not often correct, so it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I know I had to ask you off the air, so yep. I sounded more professional yep. when I was on the air, but we got her. So the mission of the podcast, Chris, is simple. Working 218 is out to connect entrepreneurs through a collection of stories, learning what passions have landed and or kept them here to live their dream of owning and operating a business in Minnesota, northern Minnesota specifically. Sound good? Yeah, I mean, we're, it doesn't get much more Minnesota than potential snow on in uh the the second week of may so it's, yeah i mean we're, we're we're fitting right in today we are definitely uh questionable weather yeah right as we're sitting <laughs> I'm, here to I'm, record i'm wearing this. a sweatshirt inside right now because it's it's not going to be nice <laughs> um so welcome to the office 
You know, you are uh, with Digital Horizons, as we talked about. I got to come over and I saw your place before we recorded this. Very neat place, by the way. Thank you. Um, And I was actually talking with my brother before I got back here. And he's like, well, who's coming in? And I told him. And he goes, what is that? (laughs) I said, you know, I said, if, if you're watching a movie and you want your house to do all the cool things that they have in the movie... This is your guy. Yeah, we're, we're, we we actually installed the system in Tony Stark's house, so it's that's that's kind of what we do. So yeah. Well, then you're definitely the guy. Yep. <laughs> so so I got to come and see your place. Here's mine, not quite as fancy. That's okay. Um, you know, we talked a little bit about audio and some questions I have starting out the podcast. Being yep. a new guy, I'm certainly not an audio expert. Right. So it's nice to get your input. Well, and we we aren't either. I mean, we you know we like to we like to think we know what we're doing, but there's there's always you know there's always things that we're not capable of or we don't know and that's a lot of what we enjoy about what we do because it's it it's you know the, the world of electronics is always changing so it's 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 a constant you could say struggle or at least a challenge to to keep up with it so it's it's fun sure and the challenge is what keeps you interested right mm-hmm. yeah yeah so we're just diving right into it right. um so the the whole logic of the podcast here is everybody if we all get to know each other we all start doing business together we all become successful sure. together. Yeah. And I really, I need to change maybe my mission statement a little bit. Now that I'm 11 episodes in, I was talking with a buddy of mine on the phone the other day. And uh, as of the time we're recording this, I think six of them, five or six of them have been aired. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, he says, yeah, your little mission statement thing. He goes, you know, you need to read that about a hundred times. So it flows a little better. Like, yeah, I know. Let's so, if it doesn't though. I mean, it's, well, yeah. It, that, it'd be good if it was like it, it, it varied every single time and everybody got like a different perspective of it each time. And it was like this living, living document, if you will, like the, the core of it is there. And it's what what you actually mean to say. It's not so much the exact words. It's just like this is this is what we want to do. And it's, it's OK if it's different, you know? I yeah, know. I like that input. A lot. It's, it's nice if there's like a mission statement when you're running a business. So like your team, you know, if, if you have one that the team has a concise idea of what's going on. But I mean this isn't a business. I mean, it's like, we're just like, we're conveying an idea. So I, I, I think it's fine if it's not perfect. That's no, I, I appreciate that. And it makes perfect sense. Mm-hmm. And it does. Now, you have an excuse too, if it's not well, perfect. We have, <laughs> yeah, we have an excuse, but I got to stop sounding like I'm right. just trying to figure out what yeah, it yeah. says when I read it. Yeah. Um, you know, in some people force yourself to try to memorize it. Right. And then however it comes out, it's like, all right, oh, whatever. Yeah, exactly. And it comes out different for everybody. I've tried to ad lib it. Yeah. I'm like, Oh God, that's terrible. Right. Well, when yeah, you read it, it, it felt robotic. And that, but that's okay. I mean, yeah. that's that's just that that's your interpretation of it at that time. You just have to let the viewers and take it as they will, and the result of it is whatever happens. So this is true. So folks, we're learning lessons right off the bat. <laughs> so we're we're only four minutes in, and I just want to say this because when he told me that the other night, I'm the guy that I like that creative uh, feedback. Mm-hmm. I don't look at it as negative. Sure. Because like I told him, if you didn't tell me that, you know, look, people will say, Oh yeah, it sounds great. Right. Just trying to be nice. You know, that's not how they actually feel. <laughs> but if they don't tell me right. that it needs fixing right. because they're trying to be nice, they're right. actually being worse because they're leaving me hang out to dry. And it Every, looks bad. Everybody's feedback is only as good as what you do with it. Correct. You know, and you, I mean, you're not going to do everything that everybody tells you to do. You're going to do what you interpret their their feelings are to you and how, so it it depends. And one of the things you need to realize when you're taking this feedback from people, and I've had to learn this because, and that maybe comes with age a little bit, is 
you're not saying that to be mean to me. You're saying it because you care. Exactly. And yeah. if you always, and, and that's one of the, the podcasts that I always listen to, one of the lessons that I've learned and really have taken to heart and figured out over the years is if you look at all criticism as if it's coming from a place of caring mm-hmm. or love or, you know, depending on who you're getting it from, yep. it completely changes that feedback. Sure. And all of a sudden now it's not so bad. So that's a lesson for everybody listening. If you, you know, if people are giving you feedback, they're not trying to be an asshole. Well, it's, it's they're trying optimistic. to help you. Yeah. I mean, if, if you, if you, have, if you have an optimistic outlook in life, you perceive what people are doing differently than if you're pessimistic. Um, you know, you're going to have a guard up and, or somebody's <laughs> giving you feedback and, and you don't want to take it to heart and actually improve, then you're going to look at it as criticism rather than feedback. That reminded me of something. So if you always have that optimistic outlook and you're always, you're, you're a positive person, which I think I am most of the time, we're not all perfect right. all the time. Right. I got my first hate message right as these things came out. The podcasts. Yeah. Really? Yeah. I got from someone was, in this area. Yeah, yeah, it was a private message. Um, guy that I, mean, I grew was up someone, with. Oh, so someone you knew. Someone I it knew. It wasn't anonymous. No, not anonymous. I knew who it was completely. And uh, I mean, it was total. <laughs> That's a badge of honor. It was total hate mail. And I read it, and I m- literally read it, and I went. <laughs> can you? Can you? And I like, started laughing. What, what was? What did they say? Um, I would have to. I go mean, back obviously and not verbatim, it. but I mean. Right. I mean, it basically said, "Dude, what you are know, you? What are you spending your time on?" Or it, it reflected on an old picture. Okay. And it said, man, these were the best times of our lives. Too bad. You know, you, all you ever thought of was yourself. You know, you're still that way. You're such an asshole type of thing. Wow. And I was like, and literally, How I chuckled at How long has it been since you it. talked to them? It's a while. Okay. Enough yeah. for I mean, just out of We'd out run of into each other and okay. be cordial and whatever. Yep. And it's fine. Yep. But people hate to see you successful. Yeah. Or just doing anything. If, when, if, yeah. Yeah. Some people hate it. Yeah. Your true friends want you successful. Right. So I'm just saying my reaction to it was I kind of chuckled right. and laughed. Yeah. I went, that's actually you know kind of means, funny. It means, it means you're doing the right thing. Right. I mean, if you have people that don't like what you're doing, I mean, unless it's obviously something like hurtful or harmful to somebody, uh, which in, obviously this isn't, then, then uh, they, have, they, have no, they have no merit. Yeah, it was, it was, it was funny. So... That's I received, another thing. I haven't received any hate mail yet. Maybe we'll... No. Well, and the cool thing was later on in the day. I just need to start a podcast. <laughs> there you go. I'll send you one just to make you feel good. No, later in the day, I was talking with uh, Renee, who's my fiance, about that. And I said, you know, I finally made it. She goes, what do you mean? I said, well, they always say you don't make it until you have hate mail. Right. Once yeah. you have haters, you know haters, you're, yeah. you're doing all right. Yeah. So it was kind of funny. And then right off the bat, since we're talking haters, and right off the bat, Posted these on Facebook. They were mm-hmm. everywhere. I think that's how you got a hold of me, actually. Yeah, yeah. Um, God, I, 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 had, I can't uh, remember how I saw it. I mean, I think it was Facebook. I just don't remember. I think John Larson shared it. That's how I saw it. Okay. Yeah. So, so yeah. So somebody was hating on one of these, me sharing this idea and whatever. Yeah. And I'm like, wow. And I replied to her very politely. I'm like, you know, you should maybe listen. And by the way, we're here to help people. Yeah. And uh, it was taken, you know, totally out of context. And Renee got furious. I'm like, hey, don't get mad. Right. Don't yeah. get mad. Doesn't Just matter. let yeah. it go. Right. I said, chime in. You know, because when there's hate and there's a lot of communication or, uh, you know. Uh, discussion. Discussion going on. Yeah. Thank you. People will then go, what What are they talking about? Right. I said, get, now we're going to get listeners. Yeah, we'll get yeah. <laughs> we're going to get people listening to see what's going yeah. on. Yeah. 
So essentially what I'm trying to say is when people get this kind of hate mail and people bagging on what you're doing, if you're happy, if you're really trying to help people, like you said, if you're not hurting people, you're not really doing anything wrong, um, you're doing what you feel is right, keep doing it. Right. You know, don't let the haters get you down. Don't let them discourage you. They're not worth the time. They're not worth the effort to think about it. Yeah. So when we when we started Digital Horizons, I mean, this this wasn't directed at me, but probably get into it. But Digital Horizons, it's it's myself and my business partner Scott Johannes are the owners, and um, our former employer told my partner, uh, "You'll never succeed. You're just going to fail. This isn't going to work." And um, I, I think I think the opposite has been more than true. So it's. Um, I don't know if he just didn't didn't think of saying it to me, but uh, just kind of just a just a this a spiteful uh, somebody has to be in a pretty bad part in their life, unfortunately. I mean, you never it's it, it's 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 awful that somebody can go through something that would make them feel that way about um, somebody else, and then to go to the length of expressing those feelings just it's just it's it's really sad. It is. I didn't realize this was going to be a life episode. This is great. I love it. It's all right. <laughs> so our history, you and I, we don't know each other right. at all Very other little. than, yeah. um, so you contacted me through one of these random Facebook yep. posts that I was trying to get this thing out there. Uh, we played literally tag for yeah, a month. Yeah, yeah. A month to get together. Yeah. So the thing is, and now we've both understood. And we're, we're like two blocks away from each Yeah, which is amazing. <laughs> so, but I'm running a full-time business, wild-ass seats. I'm all over the country traveling, and you'd be like, hey, I'm available Tuesday. I'm like, that'd be great, but I'm in, you know, wherever. Yeah. And then I'd get back to town and say, hey, I'm available this day. And you'd be like, yeah, but I'm not. I'm up here. Right. So here we are. Yeah. So, yeah, so we had those interactions. I came down and saw your shop, spent half, 45 yeah. minutes, an yeah. hour there or yeah. something. Yeah. And we chatted there, and then 10 minutes before we're recording this, and here right. we are. So right. this, I'm I'm really liking this. That's so fun. Thank you. Yeah. Um, that being said, let's get into your story a little bit. Sure. So you moved to Brainerd at what age? Because I, if I remember correctly, you weren't born here. So yeah. give us your history. I mean, I'm, I'm pretty much from Brainerd at this point. I've been here since uh, 90, I, I even forget now, uh, 96, 95, somewhere in that area. Um, but originally grew up in Southern Oregon. Uh, my, my mother and father owned a business uh, in Southern Oregon. And eventually, at the age of 13, I think it was what it was, my mom sold the business. My father passed away when I was really young. Um, she kept the business going and then eventually sold it. And then I'm 13, so I don't have a choice. So she's moving to Minnesota to be closer to family. And so I, I tag along. And I, I've been here since. I, I grew up in technically Baxter, and but uh, a Brainerd of the Brainerd, a, a resident of the Brainerd Lakes area for you know two thirds of my life. So I, I don't. I mean, I was born and raised in Southern Oregon, Grants Pass, Prineville area, but I'm, I'm, I'm very, very separated from it now. I mean, I, I think of going back. I've never been back. Um, I, I, I do. We grew up in, in Oregon. You have opportunities of skiing and just all kinds of cool stuff. That I mean, there are no mountains in Minnesota, so it's you know that's the that's the attraction on the West Coast. But uh, um, I'm, I'm just more of a of a, of a branded resident. I, it's, it's all I've known, you know. So, not being from the area, I would like to point out the fact that we have Mount Skigal. Well, it, it, it's so, and, and obviously not to demean Skigal or, I'm joking, or you know yeah. the others, but I mean when you're when you're comparing that to 
you know, Mount, Mount Ashland, Mount Bachelor, Mount Hood, Mount Shasta, yeah. uh, that are, you know, four to six or 8,000 square feet, like it, 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 elevation, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's obviously it's a little not, bit it's different. Not, yeah. It's, it's different. Yeah. Yeah. So before you were 13, uh, your mom had a business. Yep. What can we, can I ask what it was? Yeah. It was a concessions business. So, okay. uh, they, they would go to events, uh, art festivals, fairs, rodeos, um, anywhere where there'd be a lot of, a, a large congregation of hungry people. Uh, that's, uh, that was the, uh, that was the target. Yeah. That's a, that's a lucrative business if you're doing it yourself. It, it, it can it's be a lot it's, of work. It's, it's a, it's an insane amount of work. Um, you know, the, in, in my, my participation in the business, uh, the, the last year that I, I was involved, uh, it was, it was my mother and I, and then we had, I think she had one or two full-time employees at the time. I can't remember, but we had, we had a hundred, a hundred events we did in one year. And then one weekend there were, there were five or six going at once. And, and we would work seven or eight months out of the year. And then there'd be three, four months off that we'd, you know, prep and organize and, you know, get ready for the following year. But, uh, you know, it, looking back on, on, on the amount of work that went in and, and the, you know, I don't want to say damage to our bodies, but I mean, there was, there was a lot of time spent and a lot of exposure to the sun and just on your feet, eight, 10, 12 hours a day, which isn't, you know, unique to, to lots of other industries. Um, it was, it was very hard work. It was very hard work. And I, I learned a lot of my, I mean, I wouldn't, I think anybody can say this, but I wouldn't be the person that I am without my mother and, um, working in the business that I did, I mean, everything, everything that I have and I know and I understand and I'm capable of are the result of her, obviously, and my father and my experiences with the business. It, it shaped who I am a hundred percent. Yeah. It definitely takes the fear of hard work away. Yeah. Yeah. It, it exposes you to it. I mean, that's, and that's the, the, you know, the, the solution is, you, you know, if you have a fear of something, you have to put yourself into it. And so when you grow up around, you know, my mother would work, 90 hour weeks, you know, she did the books and she ran the business and did everything. And, and so if that's, if that's your experience and that's what you're in direct contact with, it's impossible to not, you know, ingrain some of that in your own personality. So it's uh, kind of, I don't want to say it came natural because it was clearly a, a learned, a learned trait, but uh, it, it, yeah, it helped. Yeah. Good. Good for you. Good for your mom. Yeah. Um, so you moved here at 13, went to school, Brainerd yep. schools. Okay. Um, out of high school, what was your first job? Uh, well, I worked in the family business until... What uh, was it when you got here? She started up another business oh. doing something very similar. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, the first job that I had away from that, I, if you remember uh, College Square, the gas station. I do. I, yeah. I worked there for, I don't know, two weeks, two months. I don't remember. Um, the, the only real memory I have of there is being back in the freezer and knocking over a plastic container that had a bunch of frozen like sausage patties in it. And I don't even know why I remember that, but it was, it was a job that I didn't enjoy. It was just, you, you're working for somebody else. And, you know, even at the age of, I think I was like 14 or 15 years old, maybe, maybe I wasn't that young, but, um, I didn't last there very long. Yeah. So that was, it was that. And then when we first, when we first moved to Minnesota, my mom, uh, was working at the Green Mill. Actually, there's a you know back by over in Brainerd where the the, the hotel is. Um, I was a busboy there for a short period of time as well. And uh, those are my only. And then I worked at Best Buy for a short period of time. Those are my only jobs that I've had that uh, that were 
uh, for somebody other than myself for the family business. Wow. And cumulatively, it was for about a year total. Oh, wow. I take that back. There was one other one. It's all coming back to me. <laughs> I, I delivered pizzas for Brickhouse Pizza for a short period of time as well. Okay. But uh, outside of that, I promise, those were the <laughs> <laughs> those are the last jobs I've had outside of self-employment and family business stuff. So not many years experience of working for other people. Uh, uh, enough, yeah, and enough that uh, I, I and I, and I don't think there's anything necessarily wrong with working for somebody else. I think I think you know acting as a, a number two or a number three or a number four position person in a in a successful business, you can you can learn a lot from somebody who's a number one or a number two or whatever. Um, and and there there needs to be those types of people who don't want to be the the one that's resultable for the final decision and is. Um, you know, still wants a lot of responsibility, but doesn't want to be where the buck stops necessarily. Um, but for me, in, in I may go back to that, but for now, I just it's the it's the last thing that I want to do. Yeah, uh, exactly. Um, there, there's I, I just appreciate the freedom of of having um, you know the ultimate say and the ultimate responsibility of what happens. So you talk about the freedom that did not come uh, just out of the blue. You no. had to build this to where it is now. So yeah. how long has Digital Horizons? your company yeah. been around? So we, we officially started uh, in May of 2013. Um, so as of, uh, well, I mean, basically right now, this is our six years. Yeah. yeah six years. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, quite a, quite a while. Um, so I guess technically we're working on our, you know, our seventh year. So it's, yeah. How, um, how did it start off? So did you have a second job? Were you working and then started this? No. Did you just, so I, I, it started in, uh, so I, I left my, our, our previous employer, who's a competitor now, kind of, um, in 2011. And I, I tell people I retired because that's effectively what I did. I didn't work anywhere for a couple of years. Um, and that's actually the other, the other major job that I just completely forgot. I was going to say, yeah. so you, you, you did... You did this type of work, yeah. but for somebody else. For somebody else, else yeah. I don't. It, I mean, it's it's yeah, so separated. I just disregarded. But yeah. yeah, I worked there for a number of years, and and I really enjoyed. I mean, it's it's what we do now, and we're doing different stuff now. But I really enjoyed it. It just wasn't uh, where I was at, and who I was working for. It wasn't something that I enjoyed. So, um, long story short, I left there, and didn't really have a direction in life. Didn't didn't know what I wanted to do. Didn't like what I was not, not what I was doing, but who I was doing it for prior. And um, Scott Johannes, my partner, was still working there. He has a he has a wife and kids, so he, did, he, he didn't have the flexibility that I did of just like, all right, I don't like what I'm doing. I'm gonna I'm gonna leave. Um, and so we 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 stayed friends. We stayed in contact, and eventually it came down to where um, I wanted to continue doing that. And um, Scott has an amazing techno, uh, an amazing prowess for what he does. And so I spent about uh, about a year planning everything out, um, got all of our ducks in a row, and uh, Scott and I committed to doing it. We we both uh, pulled about fifteen uh, fifteen or eighteen thousand dollars out of retirement accounts that we had saved up, and just went for it. And um, yeah, just we we reached out to customers and we did everything that we could to uh, establish relationships and. It's kind of the, the rest is history. Was there a no compete clause or anything with the old employer? No, no, no non-compete and uh, no, nothing in place. Boy, you and I have a very 
similar story. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's, uh, yeah, you know what? I'll share mine with you. So similar in a sense of neither one of us are going to mention the name of our old employer because yeah. we don't want to give them the plug. Right. But um, when, uh, so I loved what I was doing. You know, I was in the same industry, same space. Loved what I was doing. Um, you know, the difference kind of is, I guess, I loved what I was doing, um, which you did as well. Yep. And actually, that's where I was going to retire. Okay. I was doing that. That was my full intention. Um, March of 2015, uh, Bike Week in Daytona, you know, had a great rally, come home, it's all good. And on my daughter's birthday, which is the end of March, yep. I get a call from my boss and says, hey, the company's been sold. We don't know what's going to happen to you. Yeah. So there's the little difference there is, you know, you, you left. It was forced. I was forced right. to leave. Right. But, and, and I mean, full disclosure, I mean, I don't want to say I was forced to, but there was, there was a, a situation that arose that wasn't going to be remedied. And yeah. it was me leaving was kind of like a protest of like, this needs to be handled correctly. Or I'm, I'm just, I'm gone. Well, sometimes you need to stand your ground. Right. But so, so I left, um, the company, when it was sold, they, we found out, uh, as me and my now business partner, coincidentally, same name, Scott. Nice. Um, he was out as well. Okay. So we both stayed in contact, you know, except we didn't take a lot of time. Okay. Um, we teamed up. And basically, we designed a better widget. Nice. And ours is far superior, and I can tell you everything about it, whatever. And it's marketed well, too. And yeah, thank you. And the two of us, you know, like I said, stayed in touch, and we decided, you know what? We can do this. Yeah. We can do it. Well, Bike Week of 2016 was our launch date. So we very quickly, you know. It's a quick turnaround for manufacturing a product. Right. And I had already, you know, I knew the issues that were being had with the old one. Um, so we, you know, contacted a manufacturer that could make what we wanted, how we wanted it in the variations that we wanted it. Um, literally everything. I mean, it was like God laid this right out for you sure. to, you know, here you go. This is, this is what I'm just going to hand you this. And this is the way you can do it. And we did one year later, here we are awesome. in the market but it's funny because we're doing the same thing as we did in the past. You're doing the same thing you did in the past. Yep. And I think what people sometimes need to realize is if you really like what you're doing and it's fun and, and you're good at it and your job sucks, yeah. you can still do what you like doing. Right. You're just going to... If you're motivated enough. You need to be motivated yeah. for sure, but you can continue doing what you like doing. Mm -hmm. I've had this theory in my life when it's not fun anymore, I'm not doing it. Yeah. So I don't know. You've been around Brainerd now long enough. Do you remember the racetrack south of town, the dirt bikes, ATVs? It was every Friday night. I do. Um, yeah. Where the uh, zoo is now, right? Yep. Yeah. Yep. That was me and my ex-wife. We did that. Nice. And when it became no fun anymore, yep. pulled the plug. Nice. I mean, I was done. Yeah. And we were still, it was still profitable. Sure. It was making money. And we were fair with our, you know, call them customers. Mm -hmm. We treated them fair. We, you know, we treated them great. Um, the pricing was fair. Product was excellent. You know, we did everything we could to do our part. Had a blast doing it up until, you know, 2008, 2009. There were some other things 
you know, built the store and it got kind of overwhelming. Yeah, the racetrack was still profitable. Mm -hmm. That was the cool part. But, you know, I... Which is a little surprising because, you know, racing motorized vehicles yeah. is, is usually a, 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 an expensive hobby and that's usually oh, it's what expensive. gets when, it, yeah. when, when an economy goes down so but smoking yeah. is expensive and it survives yeah somehow, <laughs> no, yeah, somehow i know yeah. no so so yeah so anyway it, it became no fun you know we had opened up the store i had a lot of other stressors in my life and and everything became no fun so i was like okay i need to stop doing all yeah. that and and so, I did. or or some other significant change had to happen in order to make it fun again and in your case, it was like, I got to step away from it. Yeah. Yep. So I guess the, the what I'm trying to say in that whole deal is, you know, if you love doing what you're doing, yeah, keep doing it. Right. You know, it, it's going to take a, a little work and you can find a way to do it. So it, it's a, and, and to expand on it a little bit personally, I, I feel it's a, it's a survival thing. I mean, obviously humans have evolved in such a way that, you know, we're obviously not out hunting and gathering like we did, but we're still surviving. Have you been to Walmart? <laughs> <laughs> no, I haven't. Not recently. Yeah, that... <laughs> um, but you, you know, we we're, we're, we all have a, a need to feed ourselves and and you know survive, which is paying bills. And you know, uh, obviously, there's other things that we do to to, to improve ourselves to in order to survive. But you know, we're, we're always going to have that, and and you know, there's going to be a, a path of least resistance. And then there's for those that uh, want to survive in other fashions. Um, you know, you're just going to find what you enjoy doing and helps pay the bills and survive. And just, you're either going to, you're going to make it harder on yourself. Or you're going to make it easier on yourself. And it all comes down to your perspective, Yeah. you know, and your outlook, Right. you know, either you're happy or you're not, or you're, or you're pessimistic or you're yeah. optimistic. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's all, that's it. Exactly. I, I don't even know how you can say that any better. So either you're pessimistic or optimistic, but if you if you don't like what you're doing, you can find what right. you're doing right. in the times we're in right now. Yeah, you can certainly find a job doing something that's right. going to make you happy. Right. Um, I always try to pursue happiness over money. Maybe that's not always best, but I'm happy. Yeah. So. Well, it, you know the. I don't. I don't always necessarily buy into the concept of do what you love and the money will follow. Because I mean, it's it's true in a lot of cases, but in, in a lot of cases, it's, it's not. But if you're good at what you do and you enjoy what you're doing, because they're not, they don't exist together always. I mean, I I might love playing basketball, but I'm I'm not going to join the NBA, right? <laughs> right. So you just you there, there's going to be that balance of if you're good at doing something and you love doing it. You're going to excel. You're going to create something that people want. And whether it's a, a, a cushion that makes this awful chair feel good or it's you know, some sort of home entertainment system or something like that, if you can implement and provide a product or service that you would love doing and, and you're good at doing, people are going to find value in that and they're going to pay you for that thing, regardless of what it is, small or large. Right. Exactly. Um, so let's talk a little bit about Digital Horizons. So, because I we've talked about so many things, I don't remember if we talked about it like in general. Yeah. So I don't know that you can talk about it in general. It's like we can. Yeah. Every ten feet I stepped into your building, there was something cool. Yeah. Something cooler. Yeah. Something cooler. So that, that's and the the experience center is what we call it. Other other people might refer to it as a showroom. And did I just say showroom? No, I don't think so. I mean, if I you did, I don't, I don't know if I did. But I no, experience center yeah. is great. We we call it the experience center because it's a place where people can come and experience what it is that we do. And so our 
our the majority of the business the majority of the stuff that we work on is in what we call a residential environment probably 70% of our businesses in homes whether they're primary residences or cabins or even resorts we would classify as a home um, and in those spaces we do anything from home entertainment systems we were we, we provide and install televisions um, we do home networking and then in in some homes we get the opportunity to do motorized window treatments lighting control systems security surveillance um, pretty much anything um, anything what we refer to as low voltage or technology related that's what we specialize in and then in in commercial environments we do a lot of work with Crowing County, the school districts, uh, a lot of just private businesses with boardrooms and conference rooms. We just did a really cool room for a local construction company who they, they bring all of their project managers and team managers together in a conference room and they work on bids together. So we installed a video wall with four different monitors where they can have four different computers showing stuff on, on each of the screens separately or blow it up onto all, all four of them and it's a one big 120 inch image. Um, so yeah, it, it's it's kind of a we, we we dabble in a lot of things, and in homes, a few of them get everything that we do, but most of the homes that we work in just get little bits and pieces of what we do. We might do networking in a house, or we might install a Sonos audio system, or we'll install a security system with some cameras or something like that. Um, and we basically our systems are designed for each individual house. So if, if I have a room, let's just say I'm remodeling one room of my house and yeah. I want to do some pretty cool stuff, yeah, that's yeah. where you come in. Yeah, uh, a lot of what we do is it, probably 50% of the work that we do is in existing homes. And that, and that can be anything from like what you're talking about where maybe you're remodeling your family room and you're changing the fireplace and you want to know the best way to incorporate surround sound into a room like that. And the TV's in the corner. Where do I place the speakers? What speakers do I use? What are the end results going to be? How do I run the wires? Where do I put the components? How do I... I don't want to use seven remotes to run everything. I want everything to be on one remote and it's easy to use. I don't want the, the legal pad of 15 steps to watch a, a movie. <laughs> I want I want the one button sit down and my, my three-year-old granddaughter to my 75-year-old grandmother can run it without any instructions. That's, that's where, we, where we excel is tying all that stuff together. That's, yeah, I've, I've seen it in the Experience Center. Yeah. I, it's amazing. Yep. Like the kitchen. Yeah. Explain everything you have in that kitchen, and, and you can add this. If someone's doing a kitchen remodel, yeah. you can put all this stuff in for them. Yeah. The, the, the kitchen on, on face value is, you know, is typically seen as kind of a low technology area. And, and our kitchen really isn't a whole lot different in, in general, but what, what we've done in our kitchen is we have full control over the lights. So when you walk in, there's, we, have, we have what's called a lighting control system. And so we have, we have a keypad with buttons programmed on it for what are called lighting scenes. And think of a scene as like a preset station in your car. You see, you hit a button and it goes to WJGY or KLIZ. When you walk into our kitchen, there's a button that says cooking. And so we have seven different circuits of lights in our kitchen from pendants to under cabinet lights to the recessed cans and whatever. So instead of remembering which combination of switches have to be up and down to get the light that you like, you just hit the button that says cooking and the kitchen sink light goes to full and the pendants turn on and the recessed cans turn on. And then if you hit the button that says entertainment, everything dims down a little bit or maybe one light circuit turns off. And so the, the lighting control system does the lighting scenes and we have, we have a shade above the sink so you can close that. Um, and then the thing that gets the most attention, maybe what you're referring to is we have a, a TV built into the upper cabinets. 
And so in a kitchen, countertop space is at a premium, right? You don't have room for anything that you want to do in the kitchen, let alone adding a TV. So we built one into our cabinets. When you press a button, it drops down out of the cabinet, turns on, you can watch cable, you can watch whatever you want to watch on it. And then when you're done, it goes away and then you have your counter space when you need to, you know, put out the crock pot or the blender or whatever that you would normally use the countertop space for. So you could... I'm just thinking of this whole tiny house craze. Yeah. I don't know why this just popped into my head, yeah. but if, if there's someone that wants to build a tiny house, yeah. you could make it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's that's usually the, I mean, the, the concept of the tiny house is fitting in everything that you would need in a normal house in a smaller space. And so if you needed to tuck away appliances, yeah, you absolutely could have them come out. I mean, that's, that's something that's been done before too. Instead of having the TV come down out of the cabinet, it rises up out of the countertop and you can have... Like if you have a granite countertop, they just cut out an opening in the top and that lifts up with the TV. So what about fish houses? You know, we, we've, we've actually done some work in fish houses. You know, obviously when you buy a fish house, oftentimes they're equipped with stuff. But uh, what we see a lot is a lot of fish houses have like car audio stuff in them, which is fine because it's really modular and it's easy to add. But if someone wants a satellite receiver and all that other stuff, like those things are more particular to home oriented things. And so we've, we, we had one actually a, a year or so, a couple years ago, where there were two TVs where we, we actually fabricated a custom steel bracket that was kind of a small triangle. And that went on the wall and then we attached both TVs at roughly a 30 degree angle. So there were two TVs, one facing one, one facing the other direction. And then when, um, when they were traveling, the TVs were easy to take down and tuck away. And then when we got to the site, they just clipped them in place and plugged in a couple things and they were set to go. So, so if I have an idea, you can make it happen. Usually. Yeah. I know a lot of people that build their own fish houses yeah. or, I mean, we all know those people. Yeah. We live in Northern Minnesota. Right. Yeah. Everybody likes to do right. everything themselves. So you could, we could frame one up, have it built and you could mm -hmm. make it cool. Yeah, absolutely. Huh? Interesting. So seven years, we're going on seven years yep. of business. Yeah. Throughout the seven years, getting from the beginning, well, you've only been in this location three years. Uh, so we moved in, we bought the we bought the land and property in late 2016. After spending a year, year and a half looking around and you know looking at what was available for for leased options and being really restricted in what those spaces were going to give us. Um, yeah, so we, we've we've been in there officially since the beginning of 2018 is when we had our. Oh, so very new. Yeah, it's it's uh, yeah, barely barely a year now. Yeah. So where were you before this? Our, my house. You were yeah. working out of your home. Yeah. Yeah. We, we started, uh, Scott and I started in, in, in my kitchen. Um, you know, we had a filing cabinet set up and, you know, I had the kitchen table and laptop and we worked out of that for a year, year and a half and then ran out of space there. So I, I had an unfinished basement. So we shifted everything to the unfinished basement and we worked out of that. And then we're out of that and started stretching into the garage and we'd receive things and I could no longer park in my garage because we were storing stuff for projects. And then <laughs> eventually we grew out of that and it just, it became problematic and we, we didn't have, we were, we were forced into finding a location either by leasing something or what we ended up doing was buying essentially what was an empty warehouse and building it out to our needs. Well, that's nice because then you actually got to build it to the way you want. Because that's I was going to make that comment. I mean, the building looks like it was built for yeah, you. Yeah. So if technically, we, the inside was. Yeah. So I mean, the the what we did was we bought 
Country Fresh Bakery's building, if anybody's been around in the area for long enough. Country Fresh Bakery was there since, I want to say, like the, the 80s or I, I don't know exactly, but lo a long time. And uh, when they went out of business, it kind of sat dormant and whoever owned it was leasing it out for a short period of time. And um, so when we bought it, it was a it was a blank slate. There were no walls inside. It was just a big pole, like not a pole building, but like a warehouse essentially. And it, it allowed us to build out the insides with office space and a kitchen, you know, it's not a, a kitchen that we use. It's a kitchen space that reflects a house that we would work in. So we have granite countertops and appliances and everything is functional. Then we have a living room and then we have a conference room. And then we have uh, roughly 2000 square feet of warehouse space where we stage things and store product and, um, you know, build out what we're, what we're going to install. Um, and so it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's worked out really well. Yeah, it's it's a beautiful place. The Experience Center. Now, like and, that. It's, and it's funny if you walk around to the backside of the building where it's less finished, and you, you can tell that it's an older building. Um, but from the front, I mean, it's completely redone, and it's you know, it, 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 like you said, it looks like it, it was from the ground up. That was intentional. Well, you've done like yeah, you just you've done a good job of it, and I think that's very important is to make sure that the what people see, you make it look yeah. like it's well, you're, you're there. I mean, you don't want to be in an old crappy building because right people are going to question what you're well, doing we, we'd have that conversation with a client who's you know let, let's say we're working with somebody who's building a, a beautiful home and they're they're, they're let's say they're spending a million dollars on a house like a really nice house and and we're going to provide a, a system in the home that matches the nice you know the, the qualities of the home and they go well where's your office how can i meet you where you know where can i see what you're doing and then you have that awkward response of we don't have an office and and that response doesn't match what we're doing and so when we when we moved somewhere we wanted that and the appearance of what we did and the inside and how everything functions to match what we do so that when someone sees those things they know what they're actually going to get in their home they can put their hands on it they can touch it they can feel it and it just makes things more real you know it's it it, it just establishes ourselves in a way that nobody else in this area or within a long distance does would you say it's safe to say the money you spent on the building has repaid itself? Not yet. I mean, it, it, it will um, because our, our, our business is still growing. I mean, it's it was a significant investment. To, I mean, we, we bought, I, I, I should know this offhand, but I mean, the, the building that we bought came with one and a half or two acres of land in Brainerd as well. So, And then we, we spent a sizable amount of money in, in remodeling and uh Took on a lot of our uh, took a lot of our own time to build it out as well. We would, we wouldn't have gotten what we did if we didn't uh, to to do that, of course. But uh, um, no, it's 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 an investment. I mean, it's not right. I mean, it, it, it's not like we put the money into it expecting to lose it. Um, but it's uh, it's. I mean, it's going to take years for you know to pay that off. And, and I under, no, I understand the building and everything. What I'm talking about. So, like, did you lose jobs because you didn't have an office before? And then do you think that because you've had this, not just the building, yeah. but because you've made it nice, yeah, do you I, believe that has there, gotten I, you jobs? I, I know of at least two projects that we've gotten solely because we had what we had. They were they, and, and not to say that it was the sole reason, but it's, it's a confidence thing. It was the closer. Just like you with your, your van wrap, right? I mean, if you show up to a show and you've got this white van with a magnet on the side or something, Yep. Versus showing up in the nice new or newish van and it's wrapped and it looks presentable. Like it's a confidence thing. It's all part of marketing. 
And so with, with us having the physical location that we do, when someone walks into our office and I take them into the conference room with the custom table and everything that looks nice, they take what we're doing more seriously. It's not just, you know, our, our reputation on everything that we've done in the past, which I would, I would think is sizable, but they match that with our marketing materials and the office location and how things work and the physical location and the appearance and everything else. And it all comes together. And, and I can pinpoint to at least two projects where like we were really impressed with what you showed us. Um, now, with that said, prior to this, I don't think we lost any projects because we didn't have it. Um, but that that shouldn't be the reason to not do it, if, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, but uh, it, it was it was, uh, you know, I, I think with any 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 expansion or any, any growth in a business, I mean, there's always going to be, you know, butterflies or, or apprehension or worry or, or fear. Um, and, and we definitely had those. I mean, we have those every time we think about either hiring a new employee or offering a new service or something like that. Um, and, and this was one that, you know, like with any of those decisions, you often look back and you go, why the hell was I worried about doing this? And, and this is one of those. It was like, God, why are, this is a huge commitment. When we started the business and we bought a, a brand new service van and we spent $26,000 on it, we're like, this is nuts. What are we doing? Like, we're committed to paying for this van for six years. How are we going to do this? And now it's like $300 a month for a vehicle loan. Like, that's nothing. I mean, not to say that's a small amount of money, but when you look at the other ob obligations we have and other commitments and, you know, employee salaries and benefits and, you know, everything else that goes into it, it's like, it's, it's, all, it's all relative, of course. But, um, yeah, but we, I look back on it and it, it, it's, it surprises me that, you know, at that time, the making the decision that we did was as hard as it was because now it's as clear as day. So that's right. There's some valuable stuff for people that are new or starting or want to start, you know, what's going to push them out of their garage? What's yeah. going to push them? And, you know, how do you overcome those fears of moving out of the house? Well, in, in, that, that obviously that's like different for every person, right? Yeah. Because everybody is, everybody is, is risk averse to a certain degree, right? I mean, there's people that'll, that'll jump off cliffs with parachutes. I wouldn't, I would, you couldn't pay me enough to do that, right? <laughs> but, but they do the calculations and you look at, I mean, how often is my parachute going to fail? One in a million. Okay. Well, that's, I'm, I'm the, the adrenaline I'm going to get out of this experience is worth that risk, right? So in, in business, it, it often just comes down to dollar and cents. Can I, can I afford this? What do my projections look like? How much money am I going to make? What is, how am I going to pay my bills if I do this? And so if you, if you do take the time and you actually, you know, work out what those figures are, that can help significantly in doing it. And sometimes you just have to do it. If the, if the, if the numbers make sense, then, then stop worrying about the emotions of it, you know, uh, or, or talk to other people that have been in, like, like you've said, you just, if you talk to other people that have done something similar and the numbers make sense and they think it's okay, then, you know, just give it a shot. I mean, what's the worst thing that can happen? You fail. I mean, it's bingo. It, it happens. Bingo. That fear of failure prevents so many people yeah. from doing so many and, things. And it's, that it's would a be real so thing cool. too. It's a real thing. It is. It's very real, but you, you know, that's, that's the, optimist pessimist thing right? right did you fail or did you learn some stuff not to do next time yeah you know or learn what you need to do better or where you screwed up so that fear of fear of failure is a very big thing that stops a lot of people from doing a lot of things i'm not as afraid of failure as maybe i should be yeah but uh a lot of people are and that's that was kind of where where i wanted to go with that is how do you overcome that which i think you've answered it i mean 
And one thing I didn't hear you mention is how much more could you do yeah. when you get out of your garage? Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's, that's just a, another perspective to yeah. look at your situation. Yeah. It's yeah. Yeah. For, for us, it was just to, just to quantify it. It was, um, you know, we, we were just limited in the space that we have, like we yep. physically, like we would, so we, I live in Brainerd and I'm in a cul-de-sac. So when so right now and, and then we were a Sony dealer. We buy products directly from Sony. So when we do televisions, we're buying directly from Sony, no different than Best Buy or anybody else does. Yep. We do a significant amount of business with them. I mean, we're definitely not a Best Buy, but enough. And so we would get freight deliveries. And let's say we're working in a new home, new home and we're ordering TVs and let's say there's eight TVs in the house. That gets delivered by a freight truck. And it's not easy for a freight truck to deliver to a residential area in a cul de And they hate it. Yeah, they do. The truck now, drivers don't like it. They, they don't like it, but um, fortunately for us, they don't have a choice. So they, right. they had to make it work. And so at a, at a, to a certain extent, like we were becoming an inconvenience to my neighbors because two to five times a week, we would get either freight, UPS, FedEx, Speedy, all these deliveries. And it's just not a, it's not a situation that you, you, you want to do out of the house. And so that, yeah, um, in, in, in some ways for us to continue functioning as a business, as we should, we had to have a location to do it properly. Yeah. So it serves that purpose as well. Yeah. And you know, yeah, the more space is the big thing. Yeah. So like for me, you can see here, this was what we did out of yeah. my house. Yep. Um, it's, I, I love having the space Yeah. there again, you know, it was the conversation and, and renting the building or renting my portion of it, I right. should say, yep. um, that was a step that there was a lot of discussion going, man, I don't know if we need it. You know, I don't know if I can afford it. Right. I don't know. You know, do I want to do it? Boy, am I glad we did. And now we have our first employee here in the States right. other than me. So yeah, it's the same. I'm going through the same fears. Yep. Just a little bit behind you. That's, that's, uh, the, the, the one big thing for us, for me too, is when you move and I'm sure you experience this, when you're working from home, you're never not working. Yeah, that's, yeah. You know, you're you're never, you when you're the, the business morning. owner, you're yeah. never not working. Well, no, anyway. like if your home is, if your business is at home, if you wake up at eight o'clock, but you're not actually going to work until 10, you're at work because your office is at home. You're never separated. Right. Even if you have like a little room in the basement or something where you just do all your work, you're still at home because it's like, it's always there. It's like that little nagging thing that's like, why aren't you in here doing some stuff? <laughs> and when, when, when you have an actual office location, a warehouse or an office or whatever it is to actually go and separate yourself, you can choose how much time you want to commit to it, whether it is 10 or 12 hours a day, or it's just, I'm just going to go in for eight hours a day and I have something else to do later in the day. And you, when you walk away, you can actually walk away and separate, which is something that's very important to do. And the flip side of when you're working at home now is, you know, you'll be on a roll doing something. The dog's got to go out. Right. Or, you know, the the UPS guy will show up yeah. or um, just you know, mama's home and, and you're helping her with stuff or the boy shows up from school or, you know, whatever. There's there's those distractions, which you love the distractions. There's the benefits to being able to be at home too. So it's, right. it's, what, it's what you want to get out of it. I mean, you, yep. can, you can stay home and do it, but your, your time there is it's not as effective because you are getting pulled in so many different directions. Correct. Yeah. And then in my case, so I would set everything up in the morning, takes 15 minutes by the time you lay out all your crap that you got to right. do. And then, you know, come time, everybody starts showing up from school and work and 
and now we got to, okay, I got to clean off the kitchen table because that was my desk sure. so we can eat supper. Right. Well, yeah, my day's cut short. Right. Where the nice thing about being here at the office. You just leave it out. I just leave it. Right. Yeah. And right. it's, you know, I don't leave it. It's only when people like me come by, you have to worry about what it looks yeah, like. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which it's funny because I have like this pile here and that pile there, you know, all things to get through. Yeah. And I'll set that pile on the desk and I'll spread it out and I'll do that pile and then it's right. done. And then yep. you move to the next one. But right. Where at home, you're constantly going, which pile was I working on? Yeah, because it know? wasn't there when, yeah. Right. right. <laughs> or somebody at home needs something and you're like, I know right where it is. So then you just go grab it quick and you don't realize you just messed up your right. whole order. So, yeah. yeah, definite advantages to getting out of home. But home's a great place to start because yeah. you're already well, paying to be there. It's, it's your only choice in a lot of cases. Yeah. I mean, it's you can't, you know, you, you can't afford a, a $1,500 a month lease and everything that comes along with that of having somebody there all the time, if that's, you know, how you're doing things. Um, and, you know, when you're at home, it's, it's like you, you're already paying the mortgage or the rent. It's, you know, you just get to use it for something else. So it's, it, I mean, we, we couldn't have done what we did if we didn't start there. And, you know, it's cliche to say, but I mean, look where Apple and Microsoft started. I mean, they started in their garage. started in garages. You know? we're, we're not an Apple and Microsoft. And again, like I said, it's cliche, but it, it's true. It's, you, but you, you did start in a garage. You, so. you, you do what you can <laughs> and what you have available to you. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So now that you're in the new building, a lot less time than I thought, what's been the biggest struggle now that you're there? Um, that's a good question. You know, for us, a couple of the things that just the, the, the receiving end of the building, like we still don't have enough space for what we want to do. And so that, that might change in the future. Um, you know, when we get, when we get freight deliveries, it's still not a perfect accommodation for, for that. We're, we've got a, we have an entryway where when we receive things, um, we're working on a way to have somebody handle that. If, you know, if, if we don't have somebody in the office and a delivery needs to be made or something like that, that's probably one of the bigger, the bigger issues that we have currently, which I mean, in the grand scheme of things, isn't that big of a deal. Um, I'm trying to think of what else has been an issue. Um, something we're working on right now, we, we probably don't have as much uh, warehouse space as we would like. And one thing that we're changing with how we handle some of our installations. Um, so a, a lot of times when we do a, a home system or, or commercial system or whatever, um, we're deploying something called an equipment rack, which is where we house all of our components and it allows us to neatly organize things, manage wires, allow things to be serviced, yada, yada, yada. And Normally what we've done in the past is we build those equipment racks and everything that goes into them on the job site. But that becomes problematic because oftentimes we have to be in there when the home is dusty and dirty and everybody else is in there working and that's bad for electronics. So we're shifting some of our plans to actually build those racks in our office, but we don't have like a great place to do that. And so our warehouse is functioning for everything that it needs to function now for storage and everything else. And where do we get this space now to build this staging area with a workbench and all the testing equipment and all of that? So we're experiencing growing pains of being in the space that we're in. Even though we've got a ton of it, we could probably have another 2,000 square feet and and find fill that up with everything that we need to do. So it's it's yeah, you know, it's just kind of you just take 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 things as they come and you know deal with it as you can, I guess. Have you found yourself? So it sounds like maybe you have, but. Here at the shop, what I've done, like I'll, I'll lay everything out and like, oh, this is a great, uh, I, I can't even think of how to say it, but it makes for great rhythm, you know, when mm -hmm. you're working. So you, you lay out your process, the process, here's how I'm going to go through the process. And I'll do that for like just a couple weeks and go, I need to change that. Sure. Or 
or locations of product, where I'm going to keep things, how I'm going to keep things. How many times have you done that? It, I'm, All the time. I mean, it's, I mean, there's still looking for the perfect yeah, flow. I mean, we're, we're kind of in a, in a phase right now where we're transitioning. We've been trying to transition into a different software that kind of runs everything for us for, so we work with a client, we, you know, create a proposal for them to review that includes everything that we're going to install for them. And, um, and out of the software we use now, there's a bunch of reports that get printed out, one for our installation crews that detail everything that needs to be installed. There's a report for what goes into what we call a hold area where everything that we've ordered for them or stuff we've taken from our stock to kind of put together. So on Monday morning, everything is where it should be or where it's supposed to be to take out. And, you know, we've probably another thing we struggle with is just having enough space for those hold areas. Um, so we're, we're, that's probably one of our, our just, I want to say like a weak point or something that we can work on of, um, you know, making that flow a little bit better. Um, and it's partially a, a software thing. It's partially a, just a space thing. Um, but something that we're going to be adding in the near future, we, up until now, we haven't had like an office person. So we're going to be hiring somebody. Um, we already have a desk built for them. You saw when you came in, yep. um, we'll be hiring somebody that, uh, will, will hold that place in the office down and help coordinate things. And, you know, if, if I have to like here and when I'm gone, there's nobody at the office right now. So they will be there for that. Um, and you know, kind of hold down the fort and kind of act as the glue probably to, to, to help coordinate things a little bit better. Maybe do some scheduling, that type of stuff. So you're going to need to add a person. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's going to be, um, one of my tasks by the end of the week is, you know, the, the job, the job search, finding, finding somebody to fill that role. The job description yep. too, probably. Yeah. Yep. Um, which that, that had me going. Like I was thinking of something, but I was trying to pay attention to what you're saying. So I forgot what I was thinking. But one of the comments you made very early on, maybe it was even before we started recording, was uh, with things like new things, things you're not capable of. The mm -hmm. the comment I caught was not capable. Yeah. So you don't strike me as a guy that would say, Craig, you know, we'd love to try that at your house. We're not capable of that. Yeah. So you obviously overcome those things like new changes um, new ways of doing things. If I want something specific, how do you, if, if I want something that you haven't done before, yeah. how do you figure out how to do it? Well, I mean, there, there's, there's, so there's a couple different ways of looking at that. Um, there, there's, there's things that we haven't done and there's things that we won't do. So we, I don't know if you want to call it. This is a haven't done question. A haven't done thing. Um, I don't want to say the haven't done thing doesn't come up, but we'll have somebody that wants to do something and we haven't done it that way before. Sure. Uh, so they'll have a, you know, a, a specific way of installing a TV or they want to, you know, for example, we, we had a home over in, um, uh, over kind of in the Detroit Lakes area where uh, someone wanted a TV above the fireplace, but they wanted s literal stones to move away to reveal the television. So they were going to have like these custom oh, granite yeah. slabs above the fireplace and they wanted them to move into place and have the TV recess into the fireplace and be hidden away. And then when they wanted to watch the television, these granite slabs or, you know, tiles essentially would, would move away. And it was, I mean, we've put TVs above fireplaces. We've put TVs on automated mounts. We've done lots of cool things like that. We haven't done that specific thing. So we just research. We, we have tons of industry partners that make really cool products. 
and we talk to them and, and convey to them what we're trying to do and what the challenges are and they sometimes help us or we provide suggestions to them and um, just work it out basically. I mean, everything that we do is custom. So it's like there's a, everything that we, every system that we put in is, is completely different than what, we've, what we did a week ago or a year ago. So this is the haven't done question. So yeah. there's nothing that you can't do. It's yeah. safe to say. I mean, you just have to research it, figure out how to do it. Yeah, so it, it, it's, you know, the, the adage is what it just, it just depends on how much money you want to throw at it. I right. Mean, there's How cool can you afford right. to have your I mean, house? There, there's, there's some pretty impressive stuff that, I mean, not to toot our own, but we've done some really cool things. And, um, I mean, there's really, there's really no limit to it. It's just a matter of, um, I mean, you know, so normally what we do is, like I described earlier, it's audio, video, networking, and low-voltage technology. But we have, we have a client who, we, who built a home for three or four years ago, and he has a very big aquarium in his home, like a 2,000-gallon aquarium, like a massive saltwater aquarium. I think, I think when he had it built, it was the biggest in the United States. I mean, just huge. And he had uh, somebody provide lights for the aquarium. And I mean, it's not what we do, obviously. And, you know, specific lights and they, they have like this custom way they have to be mounted. And the solution that he was provided just wasn't very good. And then whoever installed it, it just made a mess of all the wires. So he goes, hey, can you guys clean this up and come up with a better solution for this? And in the meantime, he ended up buying a whole different set of lights. And through our design and working with Bell and M Steel, you know, the guys that are right over here, we built custom mounting apparatuses out of aluminum and had them built and we painted them and installed them and attached lights to it and then organized all the wiring and everything for it and clearly it has no relation to audio video or anything like that it's not like a service that we go out and we advertise but he was like you guys have done cool things for me before i can't get a solution to this is this something you can do and in situ maybe this is probably the best way i can answer your question is somebody just has to ask us if it's something we're capable of and we'll say yes or no and if we are, then we'll say it's this is what it's going to take to do it, and you have to decide if it's if it's worth having us do it or not. Um, so yeah, it just it just depends. Um, but it's 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 fun getting a request like that because it's kind of you know it's not normal. But in, in, but on on the other hand, if if it's something that either we don't think we can do, uh, either and and usually it's even it's something we can't do. It's from size and scope. You know how much time is going to be required, and how long. You know how when does it need to be done by? Do we have the physical capabilities of doing? Sure, we have we have four people on our team, right? Um, but uh, where was I going with that? You were talking about uh, the scope, yeah, yeah, uh, and then uh, so yeah, just it it just depends on 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 what it is. So if we can't if we can't do it by by scope, it's it's that's that's kind of our only limitation. Um, it's yeah, yeah, and obviously there you said there are some things you won't do. Which you know, we don't, yeah. So whatever, okay, that's what I mean. I was, that's what I was saying. So won't do is more of like a standards thing, right? So in the consumer electronics world, um, the the it's flooded with junk from overseas or wherever it comes from, and um, things have to work a certain way, and then we have to put our name on it. We have to stand behind it. We have to service it. It has to work a certain way. And so there's there's certain lines that we'll draw of things that we work with. Um, for example, when we when we install a system and we have to automate it, like I was saying, putting everything on a single remote, there are some manufacturers that we just can't automate. They build their things in a way, and the software they put on it just don't allow it to be automated. 
And so when someone sits down and they want to run thing, run everything fun from one remote, and if we can't deliver that and that's the expectation, then just we draw a line. And we tell them, we can't do it with what you have, but we can do it with this. And in the end, we, you know, when we're providing a system, we're not providing, I mean, yes, we work with certain manufacturers, but nobody comes to us for a Sony TV. They don't come to us for a Yamaha receiver or for Sonan speakers or Paradigm subwoofers. They come to us for a digital horizons system. That's what they're right. getting from us because they experienced it somewhere else and our reputation has been built as such that our standards have created, you know, we're, we're the product of our creation, if you will. Um, and so if, if it, like when you're, when you're building your seats, there's certain quality materials in the way it's manufactured that if it doesn't meet those requirements and it doesn't hold up like the one that you have up on the wall, that's not something you want to put your name on. And it's right. no different from us. So a won't do would be, I just want to buy some cheap crap to save a bunch of money and have you put it together. Right. So, and that's fair enough. And you also won't buy cheap crap and bring it over to put it together. Well, it, it, it's, people expect us to stand behind what, what we do exactly. surprisingly, right? Yep. Um, so it, we have to put something in that, that can do that. Um, I mean, we have manufacturers that, you know, in, in the electronics industry, that you know, you buy something from a big box store, and then not to denigrate products that are in big box stores because there's good stuff there at times. Um, but you know, the warranty is often the taillights, right? Yeah. Uh, so a lot of times, the stuff that we work with has two, three, five, or even like uh, the the motorized one of the manufacturers we work with for motorized shades, Crestron. They have a lifetime warranty on the motors in their shades. It's it's uh, it's insane. That is insane. Um, Whose lifetime? The, lifetime of the product, the buyer, the house. Like so, Crestron's been around for like forty years, and I mean they're not going anywhere. So uh, yeah, the lifetime of the product itself. So in thirty years, if something fails in the motor, so obviously assuming Crestron's still around to stand behind it, it's covered. Um, and so we align ourselves with those brands, with those manufacturers, because um, it's just good business. It's good for us. So if something fails in four years and the homeowner's like, oh man, I'm gonna have to pocket a bunch, I'm gonna have to spend a lot of money to fix this. I can tell them, no, Mrs. Jones, this is this product's covered under warranty because we put something that's quality in your home and then we can we can stand behind it better. No, and that's that's a a huge point is you know you're you're putting your name on the work. So sometimes it's better to charge more money yeah. and have a better reputation. Right. Because now you have a better, happier customer. Right. It seems to me there seem there's a pattern of the people who, the cheapest people are the least happy. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I've learned it. You know, I was a dirt bike racer for many years, and I bought cheap product, and it didn't hold up. And right. I bought good stuff, and right. it does hold up, right. or it just functions better. Well, and usually the the delta between something that's cheap and that's expensive is not very much. Some in, usually in a lot not of always. cases, yeah, the, the price difference is very very minimal. In the grand scheme of things. In the grand scheme of things, yeah, you're right. So I mean, it, I mean, yeah, if you're comparing a, uh, I don't know bike parts, so I'm gonna. I'm well, I'm just like for my seat cushions. Yeah. There's all of them have the same warranty. They all are gonna outlast you know your use. Yeah. Um, the uh, we sell one that's a hundred bucks. Yep. We sell one that's two hundred twenty-five. Sure. They function completely differently. Sure. But they feel the same when you sit on it at first. Sure. So. So yeah, I mean, and the guys that buy the more expensive ones end up happier yeah. because of how they work. Right. So same thing. I mean, I can sell, and we looked at selling an even less expensive product Yeah. and we kind of just decided, no, that's not what we do. You know, we, we don't need to chase the pennies right? because 
first off, it's a lot of work, and the type of product we're looking at may or may not make somebody happy. Right. And we want to make people happy. Right. So. Yeah, you have, you have a, a minimum, a, a threshold of performance that has to be met. Correct. Yeah. That's a I. That's wording that I don't have. <laughs> I, I, I got lucky. Didn't put it out there right away. So yeah. So no, this uh, this has been some good stuff. What uh, I was going to ask you a question. What one thing in the last year has kept you up all night, work related? You know, I'm I'm pretty fortunate that um, I don't worry a lot about what happens. Um, you know, the, the things that, the things that do get to me is when, uh, something unintended happens. Um, you know, maybe, maybe, a, a, I hate when it happens, but maybe a client has a bad experience and, you know, it's something that we solve or we have to solve and, um, not knowing what the outcome to that will be is probably what bothers me the most. Um, but day-to-day stuff of products don't show up on time or we're under the gun on a deadline or someone's out sick and how do we recover from it? It's like, that's just that not to say that that's what people worry about, but that's not stuff that, that gets to me. Um, it, it, what, what, on on a larger, on a larger, higher level, things that bother me in general are things that I don't have control over. Um, when I can't directly affect the outcome of something, um, you know, like, there's a delay in something critical that, that I, I can't pick myself up from and, and, and solve. Um, that's what, that's what bothers me. That's what I'm looking for. What, you know, like the things that are out of your control. Um, so as a business owner, there are things that we have to worry about that employees don't have to worry about, or they don't even think about. So that's kind of what, you know, my, that's where I'm going. And, and you say delays, this would be like a product delay or the guy orders eight TVs and six of them show up and two of them are on back order and it's well, that, a 60 and day wait. And, or, that, and that's not such a big deal. I mean, like what, you know, televisions and some of the other stuff, oftentimes we can, we can substitute things, but TV's easy. You can yeah, just hang it. But yeah, I mean, and, you know, obviously we have like, you know, the whole minimum thing comes into play there too. But um, yeah, when, when things happen that, you know, I don't have the direct ability to, you know, um, to handle, you know, there, there's oftentimes things that come up around the office, um, that some, let's, and I can't always achieve everything myself either. And I need their help, but you know, if they come to me and they go, Oh, I can't solve this. And I'm just like, well, I'm just going to make a phone call or I'm going to send out an email or I'm going to, I don't want to say chew somebody, but like, I'm, I'm going to find a solution to this. I can solve it. It's when those situations occur that that's, that's what gets to me. Um, and so specific examples of that, would, I mean, like recently something that's, I mean, I, I don't stay up at night thinking about this, but it's something I think about during the day and I worry about, um, you know, we have, we have a project we're working on right now in a, in a commercial environment where, um, there was a delay with another trade on the project and them completing their work is requisite to us starting what we need to sure. do. But the deadline isn't changing when the project needs to finish. But if we can't get in there for two weeks and we have to be done in a month and we have two weeks of work to do, I have no control over that because XYZ contractor didn't do what they were supposed to do. And so that's that's stuff that that bothers me that I, I don't have control over. Um, and we're not normally in circumstances like that. Um, 
And that's one of the downfalls of working in a commercial environment versus, say, a, you know, a residential home where sometimes it's, it's easier to make up time or, you know, add, add time to a project to get it done at a later date or something. But, um, yeah, it's just, you know, broadly, it's just things that are, that are out of my control that I can. There's very few things that I can't solve. Um, and so when I can't solve them, it's usually pretty extreme. And that's, that's what bothers me. But it, it I, I, I don't stay up at night. I, I just, that's good. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't know if I should be staying up at night thinking about it, and, and I don't worry enough. Well, you're probably beyond the point. I mean... Yeah, I mean, th there's probably things that should bother me more than they do, and I don't know if it's just, you know, natural of me to just not worry about them or worry about them when I need to worry about them. Um, but uh, it's not a... I don't, I don't think I'm, I'm aging because of issues that happen. It's just... it, it uh, um, You know, throughout my life, I found that... Um, you know, when something is supposed to happen, it, it, it'll happen. And, you know, obviously this isn't necessarily related to business, but I found that if I try to force myself into doing something that I'm not meant to be doing, I'm just not going to do it. It's just it, when it's supposed to happen, it's going to happen. And I'm just, I'm just there, there to experience it and be a part of it. Um, and so maybe part of that is, you know, when things go wrong at the office or in business, um, I just, I just handle it. You know, it's just, it's survival. It's like, it's, it's gotta happen. What do I have to do to get it done? Sure. And you just, you just get it done, you know? And so maybe because I do get it done, I don't worry about as much. I, I don't know. I don't have a, I don't have a great answer for that. <laughs> no, it's good. I just, and that's good. I mean, it tells me you're not somebody that worries about everything. Like you said, you just, you just do it. You just yeah. handle it and move on. So, um, you know, I was trying to find something that, you know, maybe anybody would relate to like, okay, sure. what keeps you up at night? Cause you're doing this, you're out there, yeah. you've done it, you've made it to this point, you're seven years old or working on your seventh year. It, it's probably the mile. I, if, if anything, it's going to be the milestone things of, you know, adding another employee or something like that, that are, you know, larger scale things that aren't just like this happened today. I have to solve. It. I can't think about, it. I can't, I can't go to sleep cause I'm so worried about it. It's more of where are we going to be in a year and how do we get there? And, you know, larger things that, again, I don't stay up at night thinking about, but that, you know, when I'm not in the office that I'm, I'm thinking about. Um, so in, in that sense, it's, it's going to be larger things of, um, you know, team member oriented stuff and, you know, just larger industry influence things, stuff like that, probably. I think in that you just maybe reminded me of a lesson that I need to, yeah, because I do, I'll worry about something. Um, there's little things that'll come up and, and you just worry about it because you're the owner and you're the guy that's ultimately responsible for covering that check or getting that, you know, collecting that money from mm -hmm. this place or whatever. Um, and I think you just reminded me that, and my dad has said it for years and you just need to hear it over and over from different places is you just kind of need to, when, how's that going to affect in a year? You know, what's, where are we going to be in a year? Mm -hmm. So does my worry today right. really matter? Right. You know? Right. Um, so no, it's all, that's it's all relative. Yeah, no. So that's, that's a good thing to remember. Um, and that, that reminded me of another lesson too, that I've learned that of course now I can't remember what to say, <laughs> you know, what, <laughs> to say what it was, but, but no, that's a good, that's a good point. How, you know, how is this going to affect me one year from now yeah. or yeah. six months from now? Um, one of the, one of the deals that, you know, you ask about this podcast on the screen behind mm -hmm. yeah. me, um, dropping bombs. I listen to that one quite often and he's got some good stuff on there. The, uh, uh, he has the 90 day program. So, you know, you set your goal 
of what you want to do in 90 days. In the next 90 days, I want to be at this level mm-hmm. here. Well, you know, you work your ass off for 90 days, and if you're not at that level, well, then guess what? You in know, 90 days, I'm going to be at this level. Right. He said, eventually, you're going to get there. Right. You know, it's just the 90-day, sure. you know, it, it really helped me, helps me to stay focused. Well, okay, in 90 days, right. here's my goal. Yeah. And it's, I like to set them beyond attainable. Sure. <laughs> because then when I attain it, right. I'm like, damn, right. I could have stopped here, but no, look at what I've done. Kept going, yeah. So, so no, good stuff. We are, uh, believe it or not, we're already over an hour, I think. So I just want to, uh, you know, maybe we need to start wrapping this up. Sure. People are going to get bored of right. us, but I really appreciate you coming in. I like I say, we're, probably hit it a little while we didn't, <laughs> uh, you know, we didn't know each other beforehand and I've really enjoyed this conversation. Same. It's been yeah. good. So, so thank you very Absolutely. much. Yeah. Um, social media world. How do people get a hold of you? Do they, you know, do you have an Instagram? Can they follow you? You know, give so, us all that stuff. Yeah. Uh, for, for digital horizons, um, you know, we post enough on Facebook. We, we tend to post, um, you know, things that we're involved in projects we're doing stuff. We'll, you know, we're running into, um, on, on, on that particular day. Um, you know, we, we have, we have Instagram, but we don't, we don't post there as much. Um, and yeah, so fa- Facebook's probably the best place to get it, to see like the day-to-day stuff. And then, uh, our website, which is digitalhorizonsmn.com. Um, you know, you can see everything that we do there. So, so digital horizons, MN as in Minnesota, correct. Dot com. Check them out there. This is the Work in 2 and 8 podcast. You've obviously found us somewhere. We are on Facebook as Work in 2 and 8 on Instagram. You can search us on both places with the little at symbol at Work in 218. You know how to spell it. It's right there in the title. And uh, I'd love to have you following me. I'd love to hear your feedback. And I would love to have you in your business as a guest. If you like what you're listening to, if you like what you're hearing, Please let everybody know if you don't like it. Make sure I find out about it and nobody else. Um, you know, I think you can rate these things, so just give us five stars. Help us out. Let's get this thing growing. Share this out there with everybody. Um, Chris, it's been great having you here. Um, you can reach me on, uh, just going back to this because I forgot to mention our email, workinto an 8 at gmail.com. So, again, Chris, thank you very much. Thanks I appreciate it. You guys, thanks for listening. We'll be back with a whole new episode next week.